Section 6 of Trips in the Life of a Locomotive Engineer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by E. M. Allen. Trips in the Life of a Locomotive Engineer by Henry Dawson. The Conductor. A recent case in the courts of this county has set me to thinking of some of the wrongs heaped upon railroad men so much that I shall devote this article exclusively to a review of the opprobrium bestowed upon all men connected with railroads, by the people who every day travel under their control, with their lives subject to the care and watchfulness of these men, for whose abuse they leave no opportunity to escape. Does a train run off the track, and thereby mischief be worked? Every possible circumstance that can be twisted and distorted into a shape such as to throw the blame upon the men connected with the road, is so twisted and distorted. The probability of any accident happening without its being directly caused by the scarcely less than criminal negligence of some of the railroad men is always scouted by the discerning public, most of whom scarcely know the difference between a locomotive and a pumping engine. An accident caused by the breaking of a portion of the machinery of a locomotive engine on the Hudson River Railroad which did no damage except to cause a three hours' detention, was by some enterprising and intelligent penny-a-liner dignified into a proof of the general incompetency of railroad men in one of our prominent literary periodicals, and the question was very sagely asked why the railroad company did not have engines that would not break down, or engineers that would not allow them so to do. The question might, with equal propriety, be asked, why did not nature form trees, the timber of which would not rot? Or, why did not nature make rivers that would not overflow? Let two suits be brought in almost any of our courts, each with circumstances of the same aggravation, say for assault and battery, and let the parties in one be ordinary citizens, and in the other, let one party be a railroad man, and the other a citizen, with whom, for some cause, the railroad man has had a difficulty, and you will invariably see the railroad man's case decided against him, and in the other case the defendant be acquitted, to go scot-free. Why is this? Simply, I think, because every individual who has ever suffered from the hands of any railroad employee treasures up that indignity, and lays it to the account of every other railroad man he meets, making the class suffer in his estimation because one of them treated him in a crusty manner. If a man's neighbor or friend offend him, he tries to forgive it, earnestly endeavors to find palliating circumstances. But, in the case of railroad men, all that would palliate the offense of rudeness and want of courtesy, such as sometimes shown, is studiously ignored, or, at the mildest, forgotten. I knew a schoolteacher once, who said that the most barbarous profession in the world was that of teaching because it drove from a man all humanity. He got into such a habit of ruling that it became impossible for him to understand how to obey anyone himself. The same thing might be said of a railroad conductor, for every day in his life he takes the exclusive control of a train full of passengers of as different dispositions as they are of different countenances. Now he meets with a testy, quarrelsome old fellow who is given to fault-finding, and who blows him up at every meeting. Now with a querulous old maid, who is in continual fear lest the train run off the track, 
the boiler burst, or the conductor palm off some bad money on her. Now with a gent of an inquisitive turn of mind, who is continually asking the distance to the next station, and the time the train stops there, or else pulling out an old turnip of a watch and comparing his time with the conductor's. Then a stupid, dunder-headed man is before him, who does not know where he is going, nor how much money he has got. Then somebody has got carried by, and scolds the conductor for it, or else angrily insists that the train be immediately backed up for his especial accommodation. The next man, maybe, is an Irishman, made gloriously happy and piggishly independent, by the aid of poor whiskey, who will pay his fare how he pleases, and when he pleases, who is determined to ride where he wants to, and who will at once jump in for a fight if any of these rights of his are invaded, or, mayhap, he will not pay his fare at all, deeming that his presence, scarcely more endurable than a hog's, is sufficient honor to remunerate the company for his ride, or perhaps his brother Titty or Patrick or Michael or Dinnis works upon the thrack, and, bedad, he'll just ride anyway. All these characters are found in any train, and with them the conductor has to deal every day. How do you know, when he speaks harshly to you, but that he has just had a confab with one of these gentry, who has sorely tried his patience, and riled his temper? How do you think you would fill his place, were you subjected to such annoyances all the time? Would you be able at all times to maintain a perfectly correct and polite exterior, a Christian gravity of demeanor, and never for an instant forget yourself? or lose your temper, or allow your manner to show to anyone the slightest acerbity? You know you could not, and yet, for being only thus human, you are loud in your denunciation of conductors and all railroad men, and perhaps honestly, but certainly with great injustice, believe them to have no care for your wants, no interest in your comfort. Treat railroad men with the same consideration that you evince towards other business companions. Consider always that they are only human, have not saintly nor angelic tempers, any of them, and that every day's experience is one of trial and provocation. By so doing, you will be only rendering them simple justice, and you will yourself receive better treatment than if you attempt to make the railroad man your menial, or the pack-horse for all your ill-feeling. End of Section 6